Welcome to Soul by the Pound podcast. This podcast is a safe space designed to inspire and empower women of color to take personal responsibility in their health and mental wellness. So ladies, sit back and enjoy. This is our space. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Soul by the Pound podcast. Tonight, I am excited. We are interviewing the DMC, Dorothy Dave Clark. <laughs> hey, Dorothy. Hello, Miss China. How are you? I am doing grand. How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing marvelous here. I'm, I'm so excited for this. Thank you for this opportunity. I'm so excited as well. I'm smiling ear to ear because I'm like, <laughs> So over here at Soul by the Pound Podcast, we have named October Get All Up in Your Business Month. And oh, okay. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so when we say get all up in your business, um, basically, how can we become stronger advocates for those around us who may be experiencing, so, okay, maybe experiencing breast cancer, domestic violence, or menopause, because October is awareness for breast cancer, domestic violence, and menopause. And I was like, you know what? We're naming this month Get All Up In Your Business Month because we want to know how can we get all up in the business of our loved ones respectfully um, in any of these journeys or obstacles. I love that. Dang. So now at the start of the show, we always start off with the bio. So, and I love this part. I say it every single episode, but I love it because I just get to brag on Black women. So, can I go ahead and brag on you for a bit? <laughs> okay. Please. Thank you. Okay. So, Dorothy Mays Clark is a native of Austin, Texas, and gives all praise and thanks to God for her many for his many blessings in her life. She is thankful for her parents, Pastor A.W. Anthony and Sister Fanny P. Mays, for their love and support and encouragement, knowing that she they are the main reason she is who she is today. Shout out to all those parents out there. Yeah. Um, she is blessed to have won. So Miss Dorothy has won various acting awards with competitive state with her competitive stage experience. Her credits include works in stage plays, over 30 stage plays, as well as work behind the scenes and production. Production ain't no joke. So, okay. (laughs) I work in events and I know production teams are no joke. So she works in production as well in the studio with over five projects and various other projects and events. Dorothy holds a bachelor's in psychology from Fisk University and an associate's degree in career acting from KD Studios. Conservatory of Southwest, as well as she has a master's degree from Regent University, as well as additional studies in a master's program in counseling from St. Edwards University. Dorothy is a member of Delta Sigma Theta Incorporated. Uh, you the second Delta. Yes, I was waiting for that. <laughs> you the second Delta I interviewed this weekend. I'm an AKA, but we're going to keep it cute. I'm just kidding. Oh, yes, we are. That's not, we're, we're sisters. We're Greek yes, sisters. We are all so sisters. We are all yes. sisters. Stage of the world. Um, <laughs> and she has appeared in several local, regional, and national commercials, including Baptist Health Care Systems. Time Warner Cable and Walmart. She has been blessed to sing background vocals for Diana Ross. My mouth was on the floor, by the way. Whenever <laughs> um, it was just background, it was just background. Just 
and Damon Albert from South by Southwest, which gave her the opportunity to appear on Jimmy Kimmel Live and the opportunity to join the next. Damon Albin's national tour. But her favorite role to date is being a mother. Oh, to Zuri Mahogany Bay's Clark. Oh my gosh, welcome. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Yes, that's my baby. Oh, oh my gosh, that's such a cute name, too. Oh my God. Thank um, you. So I was, I told you this before we started the podcast, and I just want to kind of let our listeners in on it a little bit, but like I was with. Okay, so let me say this. This is the first time that Soul by the Pound has ever touched um, domestic violence. So, um, yeah, so for years, we've always been, our main focus has honestly been on just health and wellness, health and wellness. And probably when a podcast launched, we focus on more on mental wellness. And then I was thinking this October, I'm like, there is no way that we can just address all of these surrounding things and not really touch on domestic violence. Like, it just... Doesn't yeah. make sense. And I went online and I was scrolling and every post I was looking at went back to your page. Oh. Every post, every post. No, it was a lot of posts, but I mean posts that really were like eye-opening, posts mm-hmm. that had stats, posts that literally had me thinking, posts that really was like trying to get your butt into gear and like let's address this was literally from your page. And I was like, that's when I slid in your DMs. I'm like, we need you on <laughs> And so I really just want to get into it and I, I really want to get into it and just ask you, like, how did you get your start putting this information out? Like, share what really inspired you and got you started doing this? Um, you know, um, I think in, in 2016, mm-hmm. I read this article about a young lady. Um, her name was uh, Julia Martin. And she was killed by her boyfriend after breaking things off with him. Wow. And that struck a nerve with me because, you know, I, my thing was I knew there but by the grace of God, that could have been my story mm-hmm. because I'm a survivor of domestic violence. So I decided to speak up. And um, many times those of us that have been in that situation, we're, we live in shame. We feel disgraced, you know. Um, we try to hide because it's like, you know, I shouldn't have been in that situation. But if anything, the abuser is the one that should feel ashamed and mm-hmm. and, and should be mm-hmm. disgraced. Mm-hmm. And um, those of us who make it out, you know, we're survivors. And when we tell our stories, we can help someone else. And like you were saying earlier, it October is, you know, no, mostly known as being Breast Cancer Awareness Month. Um, but yes, it is also Domestic Violence Awareness Month. Now, I, I, you said menopause awareness month too. I'm going to have to check that out because I am approaching that area too. But, um, but each year in October, I turn my social media timeline purple, um, so that I can give education on domestic violence and encouragement for anyone that may be going through it. And then even hope for, um, that those that have gone through it, the hope that there is life after, Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's pretty much how I got the start, I guess. Um, you say what inspired it. Um, I guess also in that same article, um, one of the things that really kind of stood out was that the father, her father, was saying that um, 
he had no idea that the boyfriend was dangerous. And that was pretty much similar to my story. Abusers, they can be so charming. They can be um, so likable. Everyone's always like, no, I had no idea he was like that. Um, Because, you know, they put on a mask. They they put on a facade. And um, many times, most of them are narcissists. You know, in public, they are very charming. At home, it is a nightmare. and I guess if you're you're blessed to get away or get out, um, a lot of times they'll end up starting a smear campaign on you to make everyone believe that you're the crazy one or that you have issues, uh, that you were the problem. And what I've come to discover is that that's known as post-separation abuse. Wow. Um, not only do you have to deal with the abuse in the relationship, but you still end up dealing with abuse afterwards. Um so I guess that's what really kind of inspired me to step up and step out. I wasn't trying to bash him or or make anyone hate him. I just I needed people to understand that if I could get out and if I could survive, then maybe they could too. Definitely. You know, when I when I inboxed you and I just saw the message you were sending and I didn't even know like career, like when I started going through your page, obviously I was like, oh my gosh, she's, you know, she's an actor, she's a professional, she's a Delta, like all of these things. And I really didn't um, know the backstory. I was just like, you are spreading the word. And I guess, can you explain, and I don't want to go into any area that's uncomfortable at all, but can you explain like regarding like that how does it go? Because how does someone go from like in a relationship is happy, this person is fine, and then it goes to that point? Because I don't ever think nobody dives into a relationship and on a first date he like trip you or punch you. You know what I mean? Like I don't. We right. all. I know it has to be some. So what would you say was like the turning factor and how you mentally knew like this was not right? Like this is I had to get out of the situation. Um, you know, it's it's interesting because, um. Th- I guess, you know, I I was one of those, like you said, you know, the strong black Christian, educated, talented woman. And I had always said, you know, it, it, it'll never be me. I can never go through that. And something must be wrong with um, with her if she's dealing with that kind of stuff. Um, but one of the interesting things that I've discovered is that abusers, they they tend to go towards persons that are more. Um, I guess, I don't know if I could say successful, but are, mm-hmm. are that their light is really shining, I guess you mm-hmm. can say. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's like a tactic to, to bring them down or, um, I don't, it's, they, they start with love bombing and they, they, they talk about how wonderful you are and how amazing you are. And I was really believing that this was like this fairy tale story. He was, um, he was seeming to be everything that I needed, everything that I wanted. Um, and they, they can be, be good listeners because they end up kind of imitating when they know what you're looking for, what you're wanting, they start to imitate that. And then they kind of mirror all of the good qualities in you so that, you know, you're seeing them and you're thinking, wow, this person is really amazing. And, and like I said, I really felt like it was a, a, a fairy tale. And um, 
my fairy tale ended up turning into a nightmare when it was the subtle things at first of um, the rude remarks here or there, um, the joking remarks that, uh, is that what you're going to wear? Or is that what you're, you know, why do you have to look like that? Or why do you do that? And, and like, you said, you know, you kind of get all up in your business, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> you know, intimately, um, when they start kind of withholding, um, intimacy from you and you're trying to figure out well, what's wrong and you start thinking, well, something's wrong with me and what's going mm-hmm. on. And, and then they start telling you, well, it's because of this and you're uh, and this and that, like, for example, he told me, um, you know, sometimes when we go to sleep, we may may wear like a t-shirt gown or, and, you know, mm-hmm. of course, African-American women will put our bonnets on, you know, to try to protect <laughs> our hair. And I'm married to you. So I'm feeling like, you know, I'm comfortable with you. But then he starts pointing those things out like, well, you know, who wants to sleep with that? And so mm-hmm. then you start internalizing and start thinking, what do I need to do to make things right? And how can I fix this? And how can I fix that? You don't want to do the wrong thing or say the wrong thing. And it starts really playing with your self-esteem. And I think that's probably at the part, the point when they end up getting you, that mm-hmm. you get so to the point of wanting to please them and wanting to be the perfect spouse or perfect mate that you start to lose yourself And, um, I think the first time, um, that he yelled at me, I guess it was kind of like, oh, okay. All right. You know, people fight, you go through that and, and you can make it through. But when he, he punched the wall next to me, like he had gotten so angry Mm -hmm. and I punched the wall Mm -hmm. and what I started learning and discovering in my research and studies is that that's kind of their testing out period. They're kind of like, that's almost kind of like foreshadowing what's to come. If they're able to, to do that and you know, you're flinching and you're kind of like, Oh my God, you, like I said, still in, in your mind, you're still thinking, this is the person that I love. This is the person they wouldn't do me harm. They promised mm-hmm. that they would love and care for me. So they're just angry and they're just showing, you know, they're just passionate and what have you. The first time I think that he choked me and, and kind of lifted me off the ground with the, with the choke is really when I should have left. But like mm-hmm. I said, they, they're so charming and, and it's a, an abuse cycle that, they end up saying things like, look what you made me do. And um, it's only because you did this. It's only because you said that. So rather than looking at, okay, no, you have a problem. You have an issue. Mm-hmm. You know, you start thinking, okay, well, I don't need to do that. I need to make sure uh, that I don't do this. And if I don't say that, People that always told me before growing up, they always used to be like, you know, you have such a smart mouth and you, you know, so I was mm-hmm. thinking that I, I was the problem. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so I think that that's how people end up getting into those situations, because rather than looking outward at that person, they start internalizing and thinking, um, 
I'm the problem. I I need to I need to get myself together. I need to get my act together. You walk on eggshells because you don't want to upset them. You don't want to cause them to to go off or to to go into a rage. Um so I think I yeah, like I said, I think that that's how it really and truly ends up happening. Um even when you feel like that could never be me. Yeah. I think that that's we need to get out of that um, preconceived notion because it could really and truly end up happening to anyone. Anyone, yeah. Anyone, you know. Um, it's just a matter of being able to, and, and if you have a strong support system, then of course, you know, persons are able to help you get out of that. But I think I was too busy hiding from my family. I have, I have a great family mm-hmm. and I have three brothers, but like, I was hiding from them, <laughs> you know? And, and once they found out after the fact, after I left and after it was done, they were like, how come you didn't tell anybody? And how come, you know, but you don't say that because yeah. this is the person that you love and you're trying to make things yeah. work. And like, I had made a vow before God and man. So I was like, no, I'm going to, we got to do this. We can, my ancestors, you know, made it through much worse. I can go through this, you know? Yeah. So. Yeah. And you think yeah. like, this is my husband. I have to protect him. This is family, like our family business. And exactly. Exactly. Ooh. It's, it's one of those things that, especially in our community, we don't talk about. Um, I remember growing up, you know, um, Parents used to always tell us when we would go to our grandparents, you know, what, what happens at home stays at home. Mm -hmm. You don't talk about, you know, (laughs) you don't talk Mm -hmm. about your business with your grandparents. And, um, and so I think that that's really been instilled in our culture so much so that when it comes to those things of, um, even a situation of domestic violence, you end up covering it up and, you know, that's, that's home. Like you said, that's my husband. I have to protect him and I have to protect this image of this relationship because we would go out and people would say things like, oh, that's such a representation of black love and oh, that's so great and I I want y'all's love. And I'm thinking, you know, you never know what people are actually going through at home. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. You just painted this in my head. Now I see like a whole nother perspective because, you know, some, like like you said, the smart person, the successful person, we don't want to seem like something is falling apart in our personal lives, especially publicly. It looks all together. You want to protect it. Right. How, how did you like, and I didn't even have this on my original question, but I'm so interested to know, and how did you like literally leave that? Like, how did you get out of it and what steps did you take? It's like, I'm done for good. Cause I know that's not easy at all. You know, it's not. And, um, I, when I got pregnant with my daughter in 2008, um, one of the things about, um, abuse and domestic violence. I know a lot of times people think that it's just strictly just, you know, if you've uh, been hit or struck, but abuse also takes form in mental, emotional abuse, uh, financial abuse, spiritual abuse. And when they're 
basically able to break the person down in so many ways. When I got pregnant is when it kind of opened my eyes, I guess you can say. Mm -hmm. I told a girlfriend of mine that um, I really and truly say that my daughter was my saving grace because when I got pregnant, I told him, okay, you've, you know, you've treated me bad. You've, you've hurt me. You've abused me. You've cheated on me, but I'm about to be someone's mother and Mm -hmm. I'm not going to allow her to be treat, you know, in this kind of environment. Mm -hmm. I'm Mm -hmm. going to, you know, I need to protect this child. And so if, if I even suspect any cheating is going on, if things feel off to me, if things don't seem right, then I'm done. I'm out. I'm gone. And um, I'm on thirsty. <laughs> but, but yeah, but I said, you know, that was that was what I had to say. And then and and I'll never forget because August the 13th, my prayer the entire time of the relationship had always been God give me the strength to stay. Wow. But on August the 13th, 2008, I woke up that morning. My prayer was, God, give me the strength to walk away. Please. Dang. And God has a way of, you know, working things out and, and, and turning the page for you when you won't turn it. And so I was, it was like that. That's why I say my daughter was my, my saving grace, because I don't think if she had not come along, if if we had not gotten pregnant, I think I probably would have still been trying to stay in there and try to work things out and try to live this life in fear. Mm-hmm. And um, my brother told me he was like, you know, because we would there would be several times, and and I think that's what happens in in a, a abusive relationship. You. It's a cycle, first of all, with the abuse, but then it's a cycle also of, okay, well, I'm leaving, I'm done, I'm out, I can't do this anymore. And then the abuser will apologize and beg to come back home, apologize, say they'll never do it again. And then you go through this kind of honeymoon phase where they are acting right and they're treating you wonderful and everything is great. And then it starts up again. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. so during those times, where like if I had left or if I had put him out or whatever, um, it was like there was a, a glow or a radiance about me when I was by myself. My brother said he could always tell when we were back together because my light would dim. Wow. You know, and that was, I, you guess, I guess I didn't realize what others could see. Mm-hmm. But for my brother to have said that, it was like, wow. And, and, and like I said, it goes back to trying to make yourself small, trying to make yourself, uh, you know, not to do anything that would cause any kind of drama or any uh, pain or them to go into a rage. So for him to say that my light was, was dimming, it was, wow. that was, that was like, that really hit me and, yeah. and struck a nerve that it was like, wow. Okay, this is not who God created me to be, you know. 
Your family's gonna see it first. They're gonna be like, wait, something, you know what I mean? Like, exactly. They're gonna see it, yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing. That's what I really wish that people would um, would be become more aware in domestic violence and uh, abusive relationships and situations, because we always hear persons later after the fact say, I had no idea. I had no clue. Oh, he was such a good guy. And um, there was even a story recently here in um, Central Texas area where um, another guy, he ended up um, killing his wife and then killing himself. And, um, And that's what the whole story was around because he was like an entrepreneur in the area um, they were a, a, a black couple mm. and he was an entrepreneur. He had done so many good things in the community that persons, those persons that knew him and loved him were so shocked that this is the kind of person that he was, that he would do this while her friends and family were on the other end saying, we knew he was like this. Mm-hmm. We knew it was only a matter of time. We were just, you know, we were constantly trying to get her to get out, but she just never did. And, and that's what, you know, about the whole awareness, it's like making people aware, yes, you know, that this does happen in our community. And also we need to start doing more to try to get people out or try to make people aware of what domestic violence is and what could possibly happen. So we need to, you know, it's, it's enough is enough, you know, it's too many, too many people dying at the hands of their abusers. And, and like I said, every time I'm, I'm thankful that I made it out and that I got out and I, you know, um, and that there are so many other survivors that can tell their stories, but my heart breaks for those who didn't. Yeah. What would you say? Cause I have literally have goosebumps right now. I feel like I'm learning so much and also just seeing like the progression of how these things happen. What would you say like in, you know, we always direct this content, particularly to black women, but I would say definitely with black women who have a friend that's going through this or even someone who's experiencing this, what tips would you tell them? What do they need to hear right now? That you are stronger than you think you are. Um, and don't fear failure. Um, I think, like I said, if I had left as soon as I started feeling that, okay, this isn't right. This isn't what a marriage is supposed to be like. Um, we probably would have only been married just a few months. And I think that was one of the things that kind of played in my head. Um, as a PK, um, you know, I already was living my life kind of in a spotlight, I guess you can say. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> mm-hmm. So, yeah, a lot of pressure. <laughs> you know, right. <laughs> so people were already kind of, you know, looking and, 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 and questioning my, actions, they always kind of look and say whatever you're going through or whatever you're dealing with. And I think in the back of my head, I didn't want to 
be a failure at marriage at only a few months, you know, because, and, and, and in fact, even I stayed in the relationship as long as I did, but even afterwards, one of the women at the church um, asked my mother, well, did Dorothy pray about it? Did she pray? You know, and it was like, and my mom was like, of course she did. She prays all the time. Yeah. You know, so it's like they, you know, people question your actions and they question like, oh, well, she probably, like I said, those preconceived notions. Oh, she must not have prayed about it. That's probably Mm -hmm. what the problem is. And so, like I said, I would say don't fear failure or don't fear what others are going to think. You know what you're going through and what you're dealing with. Only you know. And. And it's if, funny how they only come to women with that, though. I would never hear them ask a man, like, did you pray about it? It's always like. <laughs> right. Exactly. That man? How do you keep that? Like, it's literally yeah. like, what did you do to really keep this man here? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You are so right. You're hitting it on the head. <laughs> and and it's sad. It's sad that women are the ones that, you know, go to other women with that. Mm-hmm. You know, we should be the um, comforters and encouragers and supporters of each other. But no, we go and we criticize and critique and, oh, it must have been, you must have did this. And even, even in my marriage, excuse me, um, some of the women that I discovered that my husband had cheated on me with were women that were kind of like, oh, well, you know, she must not be this and she must not be that. And oh she must God. not be, um, uh, she must not be freaky enough. You know, it was like all of these different kind of things that it was, I was the problem. Never did they say that he was the problem. I yeah. I, I had the issue, you know? Yeah. So. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So yeah, I would say don't fear failure and, and you know what you're going through. Um, and you know who you are. And as a believer, if you're a believer in God, then you know whose you are. So (laughs) there is no reason that you should live that life. God did not design us to live in such a state. You know, marriage is supposed to be beautiful. Relationships are supposed to be beautiful. And they're supposed to enhance and and build the kingdom. Mm -hmm. But... If you're living in that kind of a situation, that is not the way it's supposed to be. You know, like I said, I kept thinking, this is not right. This is not how marriage is supposed to be. I'm not supposed to be living like this. Absolutely. Oh, my gosh. This is so good. I have a question. Okay. I keep going off guard because you are really giving me so much insight. What, like... I don't know if there was any telltale signs, but do you feel like there was any signs to your friends? or Because you said your your brother said you did not look like, if, you know, you didn't have that glow about yourself. You shrank a bit. But is mm-hmm. there some telltale signs where we can extend ourselves as a friend if you feel like somebody's going through it? Like, what are some telltale signs like, okay, something's not right over there? Because, you know, everybody, we all, going back to how it is in Black women, we protect our house so much. Well, mm-hmm. going to this house is not nobody's business, but how can we get all up in your business and not even get into it? But how, what are some ways that we could, some signs that we could pay attention to that were telltale signs if something's not right over there? Hmm. That's a good question. I think, um, and I you know, and I can, I can really kind of 
yeah, I can really kind of speak from experience, I guess, in that, like I, like you said, my brother noticing, okay, she's not blowing or, or doing those things that she used to do. Um, but then also, um, so, so yeah, basically that would be one of the things. If you know the person, if you know the couple, and if you know that she's always been this, this vibrant person and, uh, with a, a bubbly personality or what have you, but then whenever she's with him or around him, she makes herself smaller or she makes herself, um, she tries to become invisible, mm. then that's one of the things that you're kind of like, okay, wait, something's something's weird here. Or if you see, if you're in a group situation and and he always cuts her off or always, you know, like what she's saying is not important or, you know, he, he tries to, make it seem as though he should be the spotlight and, mm-hmm. and, you know, because they do, they, they like to be in the spotlight. They like to be uh, respected and regarded as these, these wonderful human beings. And if it looks like their partner is getting too much attention, then they end up um, trying to do something to steal that spotlight and so if you notice those kind of things, the reason I'm giving that example is because like you've read, I do plays and um, I even hit my, you know, my ex-husband in one of the plays and my family noticed, I mean, he's never, you know, he's never acted, he's never done anything, but in that regard, mm-hmm. but I put him in the show and of course, because I was the one who wrote it, who directed it, and I was in it, persons were kind of applauding and looking towards me uh, for different things. But it was when he was, he, I don't know, it's, it's, it's kind of hard to explain, but it was like he kept trying to do things to make it be about him. He wanted to be noticed and he wanted to... Um, for example, after the um, after the play, uh, this one we did at my church, and he ran to to do, go and try to do the invitation, so that you know it was like that wasn't what you were supposed to be doing. <laughs> <laughs> he like I'm gonna like, more shine on this joint right here. <laughs> <laughs> but it was like he wanted he needed some kind of more you know he needed some yeah. attention he needed yeah. spotlight. And, um, so yeah, those kind of signs, um, when you see, um, I can speak of, you know, I'm speaking more in the sense of the abuser being the male and, uh, the victim being the female, Mm -hmm. that if you see like her eyes darting or she's always looking to him for approval before she says or does anything, those are kind of telltale signs. Oh, um, so right. You know when she's. I, um, on, I go. I address everything with reality TV, but I remember seeing it on the show before. Keep going. I'm sorry. That's oh, so yeah. cool. No, no, no. Yeah, you know when she or when you think 
like if she's out with her friends and and they're like, oh, okay, well, let's go get a drink. And she, oh, no, no, well, you know, I need to get home or I need to, um, you know, it's like she, she doesn't want to be as social as what she used to be because she, what you're not realizing, you're thinking, oh, okay, she's no fun or, oh, she's living the married life. What you're not realizing or understanding, she's living in fear that she needs to hurry up and get home because he may trip about her being out. And what was she doing out? And who was she trying to impress? And, you know, that whole thing. So those kind of things start noticing where, um, uh, where if he's, if he's calling all the time or texting, if she's out with friends and having a good time with friends, but he's calling or texting like in an annoying way to the friends. Cause it's like, why does he keep calling you or why does he keep texting you? It's almost in a sense of ownership that um, you're mine. You're supposed to be home. What are you doing out with these people? And so they're not as uh, social anymore. They're constantly in fear of, of making the wrong step or the wrong move. Um, even some things, even uh, subtly, their appearance can start changing. Um, mm-hmm. Where, you know, they may have dressed a certain way before, but then now they dress in another way because they're not trying to get any attention from any other man. They don't want their their mate to think that they're trying to get attention from another man. So, you know, it's, it's, it's all of these things that, that, that the person starts doing because they're living a life of fear. But on the outside, people are thinking, oh, they're just changing. They're acting funny. Oh, they're just, oh, that's what happens because they're married now and they're doing this and they're doing that. Not realizing that this person is just really just trying to survive. Yeah. I think you hit it on the head with that because sometimes we say stuff out of judgment, not really knowing what's really going. And you could think that the statement is not even judgment, but that to a person who's going through it, like, girl, you always underneath your man. A girl, you all, right. like those type of comments, I could imagine you, it feels terrible because you're getting it on both sides. You're getting it from your support and you're getting, you know, the, that, the abuse from the abuser. So. Right. Sheesh. Exactly. Um, so what would you say are any final thoughts? This was so good, by the way. I thank you so much for your story. No, what I would... thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, thank you. This no. this has been great. This is so good. And I think I hate to like uh, minimize someone's playing for a bigger story, but I always love the, on this podcast when I hear like something terrible you know what they say, like, what was meant for bad, God meant for good. And I feel right. like I'm on this other side of the laptop, like, this is so powerful. And I'm as, as, as heartbroken as I am that you experience it, I'm so grateful that you are really using your voice because this is not an easy topic. So thank you for that. You're right. It's not. But but thank you're right. I think um that was one of the things that ended up hitting me later. Um <clears throat> Because, of course, in the time you're thinking, you know, why is this happening to me? How is this mm-hmm. happening to me? I hate that this is happening to me. This shouldn't be happening to me. I um, 
I was even thinking, you know, I was like, I never wanted to be a statistic, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but it was later after the fact that, um, one of my, um, like quote unquote little sisters from church, um, was telling me about, um, her relationship and a situation she was in. And I was able to kind of help counsel and help, um, give her support and what she was going through. And then that's when it dawned on me, okay, I went through what I went through so that I could be able to help someone else. Mm -hmm. And um, like you said, it's not, it's not a good feeling because it's like, okay, God, I don't know why you trust me so much. I don't have to, (laughs) you know, this does not have to be my story, you know, but, um, but I am thankful to be able uh, to be used in that sense, to be able to help somebody else um, and to be able to know, like I said, if I can make it out, you can make it out too. And then even now with the educational part of it, that um, to know what, what it is, to know what domestic violence is and to know um, how to be able to get through it and to know that the life after, um, one of the things that I've I've come to realize that people, you know, no one no one talks about um, the PTSD that you experience. Um, that is so true. You like, know exactly. What is like? I'm sure that it's probably like a huge insecurity for new relationships, like. I don't even think yes. about that, Dorothy. Yes, yes. It affects us in so many ways that um you know, I'm I'm still healing and still recovering from um from the relationship. I um I have been out of that relationship. My daughter's fourteen. So I've been out of that relationship fourteen years now. But <laughs> But I have not, um, and that's one of the things I've, I've read one of those memes where it said that, um, you know, like the, the, um, abuser or the one that was, you know, uh, the problem in the relationship, they move on to another relationship right afterwards with no problem, no issues. The one that suffered in the relationship, they, it takes them a long time to heal and recover from And so my ex, you know, he went on, of course, he's remarried and what have you, but I'm just now getting to a point where I'm, a few years ago is when I actually said that I was ready to be in a, a relationship again. And just now have I started opening up and actually being vulnerable to be in a relationship. Mm. And um, so, but yeah, you're right. It's like, you know, no one talks about the PTSD factor. They know no one talks about how you suffer self-esteem issues afterwards. And, and that is, it's hard to even trust yourself again um, or to even trust anyone else again. How was you um, thinking that when you, you know, know. <laughs> because yeah. That's it too. It's not even just a trust in the person, but it's more so trusting myself that I'm going to stop any treatment that I don't like anymore. You know what I mean? Like exactly. That's a big step. Exactly. One um, 
and I went, I went through therapy afterwards, you know, yes, black people do go to therapy, (laughs) you know, (laughs) (laughs) so, um, in therapy though, my therapist, one of the things she was saying was that, um, Dorothy, you can trust yourself again. You make good decisions every day. Mm-hmm. You know, when when you get in your car and you drive to work and, you know, you don't drive recklessly and you obey the, uh, the laws and, you know, what have you, you're making good decisions. Uh, the same way you go into a room and you sit down in a chair, you trust that chair to hold you. That's so you know, true. <laughs> you know, so it's like you're you're making decisions all the time. You just need to start learning to take those little choices and decisions and remembering, you know, how you're trusting yourself in that, that you can trust yourself with the big decisions. And, you know, that helped because it was like, um, even in, 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 in relationships or friendships or whatever, you're, you're constantly, you constantly begin to question and think, okay, will this end up happening to me again? Can this happen to me again? Will this person, you know, are all men like this or whatever the case may be? Um, but you can trust again. You can love again. You can, you know, there can be um, a happy life fulfilled even after going through all of this. So true. And you over there raising Zuri, girl. Like you have, you are making good decisions and raising a young queen over there. So. <laughs> I have no doubt that you would be amazing at whatever God sends your way next. Like, I feel like you oh, have. Oh, bless you. Thank you. Thank you for that. <laughs> That's the number one thing I'm I pray. Yeah. I pray about discernment all the time. That spirit of discernment, I pray for it all the time because it is like, you know, it's, as lovers, as people, you grew up as a pastor's kid, like we are lovers and you come from a good family where you kind of live in a bubble where you think everyone is like that and you're nervous once you see it's not yeah. all a bubble. But definitely know that it's good stuff coming your way. <laughs> thank, so, thank you. Thank you. No Bless problem. you. Well, okay. So here's another one of my favorite parts of the episode. And this is okay. your soul star tip. So a soul star tip is something that our listeners can put into action immediately after listening to this episode. So what is that action item, a.k.a. soul star tip? that you have for our listeners today? Hmm. Ooh, um, I guess I know recovery can be hard. And um, I, I think if you ever find yourself in a place where you're upset about what you went through or where you feel you are in life, I would say to stop and actually shake your head and uh, shake that thought right up out of your head and remind to remind yourself to give yourself the grace yeah. as you're on your journey. Um, what, whatever it is that you went through over, you know, it didn't happen overnight. And so it, you're not going to get over it overnight. And so stop that negative thought right then and there. Actually, I would say actually physically shake your head <laughs> to, <laughs> to remind yourself, no, get out of here. Get out of yes. there. I don't need that. You know, <laughs> I love that. And just hang in there. Yeah. Just hang in there. Oh my gosh. 
This was a powerful interview. I thank you so much for your gifts. I thank you for that soul side tip and really your story. Can you share like your social media? Because you're going to be painting the timeline purple and it's so good. Can you share your Instagram <laughs> as well as website so people can follow up with you after this interview? Oh, my goodness. Thank you, China. Um, uh, My Instagram is at platinum d15 that's platinum d is in dorothy 15 and uh website is um always dmc.com thank you so much dorothy the dmc is on the line and <laughs> thank you to all of our listeners that listen to this story and check us out on our next interview thank you Wow, thank you.